really trying with our feeble mind to recognize, to admit, to acknowledge the reality of our sinfulness and the immensity of your grace. We are so thankful for the wonderful power of Jesus Christ. Not only brought him from the grave, but empowers us each day for godly living. We're so thankful to be a part of your family and thank you for these moments that we can focus our attention on your greatness and your power. And we pray that these next few moments that we have together would continue that process, that we would set aside all things that would distract us today and that we would hear the voice of your Holy Spirit speaking clearly through the truth of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, folks. You can be seated. <clears throat> Just want to mention, too, thank you for your generosity uh, over the last few weeks for our food giveaway, community food giveaway that we do every year in conjunction with Save-A-Lot Grocery Store just across the street there. I know that over 100 bags have already been passed out. Uh, FYI, we need to do something. We need to kind of band together this morning and do something because Don has 100 more bags and 100 hams in his little SUV out there. And uh, we got to lighten his load before he leaves today. So please see him afterwards. He'll be out there with a hatch open. Grab one of those. And I know sometimes you're thinking, man, I'm racking my brain trying to think of somebody that I could give that to. Can I encourage you, uh, maybe even challenge you, grab one of those bags today, even if you can't think of someone right now, and ask God this week to bring you across the path of someone in need. And have it there, have it ready, and then when God shows you that person, be watching and give it to them and bless them uh, this week. So make sure you see Don afterwards. Uh, thank you for your prayers for us on vacation uh, this month. Melody and I just got back this week. We had a great time, beautiful weather. In all honesty and transparency here, we almost did not come back. And you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I looked ahead at the forecast, and it was really hard to leave 75, 80 degrees to come back to this. Uh, not this, but I mean, you know, that, come back to that. Uh, this is good to come back to, that not so much, uh, but we're glad to be back with you. We, of course, did a lot of driving, 26 hours of driving each way to get to where we were down in Naples, Florida, and so we had a lot of time together in the car, Melody and I. And uh, we like that, though. We enjoy it when the car's running well. That's a story for another day. Uh, but we do a lot of talking, and we also love to listen to podcasts. Um, and we have a few that we like to listen to, messages, some guys that are teachers and other things. I like some sports podcasts. But probably our favorite one to listen to together is the Dave Ramsey Show. Uh, if you've ever taken Financial Peace University or heard us talk about it, you probably know uh, who Dave Ramsey is. He's the FPU guy. And uh, we love listening to him. It's encouraging to us to keep on track financially and be careful with our budget and what we're doing and our plans for the future and all those kinds of things. But it's also just downright entertaining. And uh, we were listening to it the other day, and a father had called in and uh, he wasn't doing too bad financially. He was in pretty decent shape, you know, just kind of typical. 
and working hard and making a decent living for his family, but he had a son that was graduating from high school, getting ready to go to college, and he just didn't have, the father just didn't have enough cash laying around to just pay for his son to go to school. And of course, Dave Ramsey, if you listen to him and, and follow the, the program there, is all about avoiding debt. And, and so he was trying to figure out a way that he could send his son to college without taking out student loans. So Dave said, well, you know, go to, have him go to community college for the first couple of years. That really reduces the tuition. And there's a good university in your town, so we could live at home, and it wouldn't cost that much. All you'd have to do is pay for tuition. And the father said, yes, but I, I still won't have enough to pay for all of that without student loans. And so Dave said what he often says when kids are talking about going to college. He said, well, Junior needs to get a job. He needs to get a job in the summer. And he needs to save up as much money as he possibly can. And then he needs to have a job while he's going to school too. He needs to go to school and he needs to work, put himself through college. We've heard him say that a hundred times. And the dad responded and said, what if he doesn't want to work? <laughs> now, Dave just has a way of handling these things. And he's a truth talker, if you've never listened to him. And he just paused a beat. And they said, well, then I guess Junior isn't going to college. <laughs> and there was a conversation after that. My friends, this is a little something that we like to call entitlement. This is what I deserve, and let me tell you why. It's all the rage today going to colleges and universities that we can't afford. That's why there's $1.5 trillion in student loan debt in our country right now. Buying things you can't afford, referenced two days ago on Black Friday for many people. That's why there's $1 trillion in credit card debt in our country. Why do we do that? Well, we do it because we deserve it, because we're entitled to it. This isn't a uh, message about money and debt. It's a message about human nature and our penchant for asking why things are the way they are in our lives. It's a message about entitlement. It's a message about Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. It's a message about the grace of God. Before I left in October, we were talking about dealing with suffering and asking ourselves these questions, why do bad things happen in our lives? Why are our lives not what we want them to be? But here's the problem. The problem that we deal with daily is this. Our internal dialogue is not typically very honest. We lie to ourselves about the reality of our hearts. We lie to ourselves about the purity of our commitment to Christ. We lie to ourselves about our passion for what is holy. And because we do that, we think we deserve a lot because we convince ourselves that we're further down the road to righteousness than we really are. Nod your head if you've ever done that before. I didn't know what Glenn was going to say on that video this morning, <laughs> Glenn. But Glenn said it, didn't he? He said, I thought I was a great Christian, but I was a baby. I couldn't even feed myself. And we do that. 
We lie to ourselves about where we are in our walk with God. And we need the truth of God's word to give a more accurate picture of what's really going on in our hearts and lives. So what I want to do just in a few moments that we have together this morning is let the truth of the Bible wash over our hearts and minds and see what's really going on. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, that's not a pretty picture, is it? But that's the harsh truth of who we are. That's the harsh reality of who we are without Christ. We're just doing what feels right. I do not intend for this to be a Dave Ramsey promotional uh, video here. But another thing that he says a lot, you can tell we listened to about 50 of these on the way home. Uh, another thing he says a lot is, children do what feels right, adults devise a plan and follow it. That's who we are. We do what feels right. We do what we want to do, don't we? If you and I have sat down over the breakfast table before, or we've sat in my office, or we've sat in your living room, or you've sat in my living room, and we've had a, some kind of a conversation about life, I bet at some point you and I have had a conversation that sounded something like this. You've said, I'm not sure if I can do this. And I've said something like, you know what? We all do what we really want to do. That's our nature. We do what we want to do. It's not a pretty picture. But let's keep going. But God, verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love this passage of Scripture. I love verse 4, and I love how it starts. What does he say there at the beginning of verse 4? What are the first two words? But God. But God. But God intervenes in our lives. If we were studying this from a grammatical point of view, we would look at the word but and we would say, that's a conjunction. It's a conjunction. It, con it combines these two thoughts. It connects these two thoughts. If you mark in your Bibles and you haven't done it already, circle but God. Because verse 1 and verse 5 tell us that we're dead, tell us that we're finished, tell us that we have no hope due to our sinfulness and due to our choices. It's the harsh reality of our bleak hearts without God and without hope. But God. 
God intervenes. And I want you to notice here that his intervention is due to his richness in mercy. You see that there? But God being rich in mercy. Now, you might look at the word rich and you might say, well, I know what that word means. It means wealthy. And it does. But in Greek, there's a little prefix that goes along with this word that tells us that it doesn't just mean wealthy. It means an overabundance, a superabundance of mercy. More and more and more, so much so that you, you can't even quantify it. You can't count it. You can't measure. Guys, how many of you have been out with your wife or your girlfriend or, and you've been walking through the mall and she's gone into a shoe store and you shiver goes up your spine and you walk in there and she sees those boots. Guys, I know you, you, you must know, you know what I mean, just the little short boots, the booties, you know, the little things that, that you wear with your skinny jeans. And she walks in there and she looks at those boots and what does she say? She doesn't say, those are cute. What does she say? Because she is, she is trying to melt your heart. She says, those are super cute. Those are super cute. Haven't you heard people say things like that all the time? That was super fun. That's super delicious. That's actually what Paul is saying here. God is super rich in mercy. When we go on vacation, we plan for it, we prepare for it, we save so that we can go and find a nice place to stay and, and do some things together. And while we were down there, Melody and I both, we love the water. We like to go out on boats. So we said, let's go on a boat ride. We were in Naples, Florida, right on the Gulf of Mexico. It's just beautiful area, beautiful water. And so we said, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go on a boat ride. So I got out my computer and I'm Googling, you know, boat tours and things in Naples, Florida. And we came down to two finalists for our money. There was a romantic sunset cruise. Goes along the coast. See the sunset, all the beautiful homes, the glittering sunset off the water. and You could even get a meal by candlelight. Or there was a jet boat thrill ride. <laughs> and you could get in this big jet boat and go 40 miles an hour and stop on a dime and spin a 360 and go up over the wakes and get soaked, guess which one we chose? <laughs> the jet boat, man. The jet boat. I have the coolest wife ever. I'm like, honey, do you want to go on the romantic boat ride or the jet boat? She's like, we're going on the jet boat. I'm like, yes. We went on the jet boat. It was awesome. We were like three minutes off the dock and we were already drenched. It was so much fun. I highly recommend it. It was great. We're going through the intercoastal waterways, the mangrove swamps, and doing all these tricks and spins on the boat. And, and then we went out through toward the Gulf, and the guy kind of slowed, had to slow down because it was a no-wake zone till we get out into the Gulf. And we're going by these beautiful mansions. I mean, fantastic homes right on the water. Sand right in front. Most of them, it was a big house 
right on the beach, but between the house and the beach was a big pool and hot tub and patios. And, and of course, I'm an idiot, so I said to the guy, what are those? Two, three million bucks for one of those? He looked at me like I was an idiot. He said, try 20 million. And he said, you know what's really sad? He said, most of them, people are only there for two, three weeks a year. Then they're empty the whole rest of the time. You know what that is? That's super rich. <laughs> super rich, so rich you don't even notice you got a $20 million house that's empty 50 weeks of the year. Super abundance. So what does Paul say? But God, who is what? Super rich in mercy. Super abundance of mercy. And great in love made us alive. He made us alive. God gives us life. He did it. Friends, that means that without God, we would not even exist. We would not be here. I was watching a movie one time and a kid was complaining to his father about something that he didn't have or something that he wanted to do and it was a comedy, it was humorous and the father looked at him and he said, kid, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. What was he saying? He was saying, you better be grateful because I'm the reason you're here. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't exist. And that's true of us with God wasn't for God, we wouldn't even exist. He made us alive by grace. Now, that's the first time we see this in this passage. Paul's going to repeat it three times by the time he gets to the end of it. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. We've talked about that many times. We don't deserve to be made alive, but God does it anyway. And not only that, but he, he raises us up out of the mire of sin. We were just, Joe and Tyra were leading us in that song just before we came out. By the way, I didn't know if I was going to have any voice left to speak because I was singing so loud. I was probably scaring Joe here, but resurrecting, I love that song. Why? Because the same power that brought Jesus from the grave, and we sang about it in the same power too, is the power that lives in us, the power that raises us up. That's what Paul's talking about. He raises us up out of the mire of sin. And then notice that he says he causes us to sit with him in heavenly places. He brings us out of that environment where verses 1 through 3 said, this is what you are like. You are down in here, and you are acting according to your passions and the lust of the world and the prince of the power of the air and all those things, referring to Satan having all that influence on our lives and weighing us down and forcing us down into that mire of sin. And Paul says, God, by his grace, raises us up, gets us up out of that, in that pattern of sin and self. So if we let the truth of Scripture in this passage fully inform our hearts and minds today, what must we admit? We must admit that we deserve none of this. 
that simply drawing breath physically and spiritually is in itself an act of the grace of God. So, let's ask a different why question, okay? Let's ask a different why question. Instead of why isn't my life what I want it to be, or whatever your derivative is for you personally, why isn't my life what I want it to be physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, familially, spiritually, whatever. Instead of asking why isn't my life what I, what I want it to be, why don't we ask this why question? Why don't we ask why did God save us? Why did God save me? That's the lie of our internal dialogue, my friends, you see, because we always think we deserve more. The reality is we deserve less. We always think we deserve more. Why did God save us? Why did God save me? Here's verse 7 of Ephesians 2. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why did God save us? Here's the short answer, to demonstrate his grace. But what does that mean? What does it mean that God saves us to demonstrate his grace? Well, I want you to think about this. That the first purpose of salvation is, for, is to display for the entire world, for all of eternity, the endless, incalculable grace and greatness of God. That's the first purpose of salvation, is to display his grace and his greatness. You see, God wants everyone to know his love, his mercy, his kindness, and he uses his work in us to tell the story. In every moment from now through eternity, we will receive his grace. You are receiving his grace right now. Sin, pride, selfishness, lust, hatred, greed, these are our doing. But salvation, life, breath, hope, healing, those are God's doing. In 1 Kings 8, Solomon is, is just completed the temple and he's praying this prayer of dedication and he pleads for God to continue to walk with them as a nation of Israel, to give them strength, to care for them, to bless them. Why does he pray that? Well, 1 Kings 8.60 says this, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Solomon says, God, please help us, be with us, strengthen us, protect us, make us prosperous. Why? So that we can be healthy and strong and prosperous? No, so that everyone would know that you are God. That's why. We always look at this thing of salvation, this thing of the Christian life, and we say, why is that? Why does God save us? Well, he saves us so that we can be holy. He saves us so we can be righteous. He saves us so we can be healthy. He saves us so we can have eternal life. Well, those are all part of it. But he saves us that the world would know his grace and greatness. That's why he saves us. 
In, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking there of the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his humility, his selflessness, his exaltation. Why did it happen? Philippians 2.11 says, So that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why did Jesus come to earth and make this great sacrifice that we're going to celebrate in a moment in communion so that we could be saved? Well, that's part of it, but he really did it to bring glory to God. To glorify God. Friends, every one of us wrestle with the classic problem of self-focus. We are perpetually convinced that this life is about us. It's not. This life, this world, this universe, everything that happens, it's all about God. It's all about the Creator. What are we entitled to? <laughs> Yikes. It's not what we think. But God. But God has a purpose. But God has a plan. But God, listen to me now. I know you're going to walk out the door and some kind of eraser thing happens in the doorways there and you're going to forget everything that I've just said, but please try to hang on to something. This is it. If you're going to remember something, this is it, okay? But God is so great and so loving and so merciful that the display of His Grace and greatness saves our lives. Did you get that? He's so great, so merciful, that when he displays his greatness, it saves us. So here's what I want you to do. No. Here's what I'm challenging you to do over the next month. Joe mentioned a few moments ago, we've got through Thanksgiving. For the next month, buckle up. It's going to be a whirlwind. Everybody wants you to bake cookies and Christmas candies and go to parties and buy presents and all that's great. Going to have another turkey dinner in a month. That's fine with me. Going to be a lot of stuff happen. But you're going to be bombarded. You know that? You're going to be bombarded by our culture, by our media, by our society, our communities, our friends, our families. in regard to what you deserve. So here's my challenge for the next month. If it takes, you can keep doing it. 
lay aside all your gripes, forsake all of your complaints, step away from your bitterness and disillusionment with your life, and resist the temptation to compare your life with somebody else's, And focus your attention on the incredible grace of God in your life from which you will benefit every day, starting today from now for the rest of eternity. You know, our hearts long so much for all of the things that we don't have because that's what we focus on all the time. What if we focused on the grace of God in our lives that we experience every day? As we celebrate communion this morning, I would ask you to quiet your heart and think about that a little bit. Think about the gracious act of Christ that results in our salvation. Think about the power that exists each day to enable you to live life That's grace. Grace for every day. And ask for God's help for you, for me, for all of us to completely and fully every day surrender ourselves to him. Now in a moment, the folks are going to come. They're going to pass out communion. When that tray gets to you, feel free to Take a piece of bread there and pass it along. Don't feel obligated to. This is something that we do as Christ followers to give thanks for his sacrifice and looking again to his return. If you're not a believer, you can simply pass that along to the next person. The bread and the cup are symbols of Christ's body and his blood that were sacrificed for us on the cross. If you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower, but you're at odds with your brother or sister or there's something between you and God that needs to be taken care of, please be careful. The scripture says that we shouldn't celebrate communion together unworthily, in other words, with sin in our hearts. Ask for God's forgiveness. Go to your brother or sister after the service or call them on the phone if they're not here today and make things right. Because this celebration is about our fellowship with Jesus Christ and our fellowship with each other as we give thanks for what God has done for us. So the bread will come shortly after that. The cup will come. Go ahead when you've received it and uh, given thanks for it. Go ahead and eat and drink, and we'll celebrate communion together. Father, for your goodness and grace, we are thankful today. And as we partake in communion, may it be with the full attention of our hearts and minds on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are so grateful for the salvation that we have in him by grace. In his name, amen. I don't know what's better for Joe, me down there blasting it or me there 10 feet away blasting it. (laughs) He's got his little earbuds in. He can't hear me anyway. That's probably good for everybody. Oh, folks, listen. This is not just a fun song to sing. This is what God gives us by his grace. We don't have to walk around like that anymore because of grace and goodness to us. And my prayer for you this week is that you would walk in light of that and enjoy what God has blessed you with. 
Father, thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that we would be a testimony of this wonderful grace you've given to all of our community, to our friends and our family members, our co-workers, our fellow students, everywhere we find ourselves this week. I pray that people will see your light in us, your truth in us, your grace in us as we share it with them. Help us to have, find the opportunities to do that. I pray that our eyes would be open as you lead us to the people that you have right in front of us to show love and care for your sake and for the sake of the glory of Almighty God. Amen. Thanks, folks. Have a great week.